Hello, and welcome to episode three of Buddies Without Borders. My name is Stevie Jackson. I'm an actress, writer, and producer in Vancouver, Canada. I don't know why I seem to have trouble remembering that, but that is who I am. <laughs> I, I don't uh, observe <laughs> that you've been having trouble remembering who and what and where you are. My name is Christopher Royce. I'm a writer and podcaster in the San Francisco Bay Area in the good old U.S. of A., which I don't know why I phrased it quite that way, because we're, we're not that good. <laughs> We're not that good right now, you guys. <laughs> this is going great. <laughs> oh, how are things for you down there in the good old Uf- U.S. of A <laughs> the good right old now? U- U.F. of O. <laughs> <laughs> Did you become an unidentified flying object at some point? <laughs> I feel like spiritually I've always been one. No, that doesn't make sense. This isn't going to be an episode of an X-Files <laughs> podcast. <laughs> no? Well, maybe someday we'll do that. Yeah, we may have to. Um, I've watched it all. Have you watched it all? I've watched probably, I don't know, 10 or 20 episodes. That's it? Toto. Yeah. Oh, you missed so much. It's a good That's show. True. There are a lot of episodes. Um, the la- I mean, the, yeah, there's the original show is like 200-ish. Okay. Um, and then... Like that's the the original nine seasons, and then there were two movies on top of that, and mm-hmm. then the two revival seasons that I think, yeah, one was six and one was ten episodes, or one was eight and one was ten. I actually I yeah. I have only seen each revival season once. Okay. I will rewatch them at at some point. Um, yeah, I'm not mad sure that I, I didn't saw... get to audition for them. <laughs> well, then now I'm <laughs> mad too. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I didn't care. I watched, think it would have been nice, but I didn't care. <laughs> I watched some of the revival because there were people in it that I knew from other stuff, like Kamel Nanjiani was in one oh, of them. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's I a fun episode. I remember who else. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was just sort of like, a, oh, everybody's talking about this. I guess I'll tune in sort of mm. thing. But I don't have the I don't have the warm place in my heart for it that you do. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's one of those things that. Um, like, I kind of grew up with it. I think I was yeah. 15 when it came on the air, something mm-hmm. like that, 1993. So, yeah, I think it was 15. And it ended when I was about 24. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I think it ended on or just after my 24th birthday. Cool. Um, which I remember partly because I was also graduating from my acting program mm-hmm. that weekend. And I had to... <laughs> time warp i had to set my vcr to tape the finale because we had a show that night yep like i was on stage doing my final showcase and so um i was not i was not home to watch it um yeah but yes i it's what i find odd about that and this is not what we plan to talk about so i'll, I'll keep it quick but um it's been very interesting as as time has gone on to see just via the bowels of the internet where you just, you just see what people are saying, whether you want to or not sure. watching new fans find it and latch mm-hmm. onto it and how different their perspective on it can be. Oh yeah. For um, sure. Because one thing that I think like you would, you could never make that show now. It would never be greenlit for okay. a variety of reasons. Some of them political. Um, <laughs> but what, what I think that show requires is an understanding of the sociopolitical context in which it happened. Yeah. Like it takes on a few different layers of meaning if you were around in the nineties and old enough to remember. And then, then there are some things like just some jokes that kind of pay off. Like there's a joke. I think, I think it's in the second movie. It's quite late. And so I think it's actually in the second movie, which was done, was filmed before Obama was president, I think. Okay. The reason being that I, I just, or there's, there's a shot in the hallway where like they sort of walk by a photo of George Bush as president. They just look at each other. Oh, okay. (laughs) There's stuff like that because of course Clinton was president for most of the original run. Yeah. Although by the time it ended, Bush would have been, if my Mm -hmm. math is right. Um, Anyway, so there's, there's just, there's a certain level to it that, watching it in real time and watching it in that socio-political context lens that you can't get if you're, you know, 18 now. 
yeah. and oh, watching absolutely. it yeah. for the first time. And just some, so sometimes watching people's interpretations of things or that they thought something went too fast or took too long. And it's like, if you think that romance took too long, <laughs> some of us waited seven years watching that. And whether we wanted it or not, because there was within the fandom, there there was a lot of disagreement. And in fact, there were names for people. There were shippers who wanted yep. Mulder and Scully together. And then there were no Romos who absolutely <laughs> did not want them together. And then there were fencers, people who sat on the fence who weren't sure. And that's where I was, because uh-huh. I was like, I see how, first of all, if these were real people, no one else would ever be able to date either of them. <laughs> They're nuts. Like... No one will ever understand them except each other. That's awesome. But also, I do not want this to become Moonlighting, mm. which is another show from back in the day. Yeah. And generally, like, once the people get together, it kind of ruins a lot of the dynamic and the, the yeah. sexual tension and stuff that's going on. So I, I was down in the middle, like, I don't know about this. Um, but yeah. they're like, people would fight over it. It was really ridiculous. So then hearing people seeing it for the first time now, I mean, it's still ridiculous, right? At the end of the day, it's a television show. Um, but watching <laughs> people say, oh, that happened really fast, or oh, I didn't expect them. It was like, oh, you should have been around the first time because it was something. Yeah, will they, won't they storylines are always sort of, I, I can see why they're appealing to a producer mm-hmm. or showrunner. The idea yeah. of like, well, we'll keep people coming back every week to see, you know, if Sam and Diane get together or whatever. <laughs> but yeah. that's, yeah, I mean, you're left with that problem of like, when you actually do get them together, what happens? But I thought yeah. it was interesting what you were saying about the sociopolitical climate, because the 90s were such a really specific time. And I can mm-hmm. only... As as the title of our name suggests, I can only speak to the American perspective. But I right. think between the fall of the Soviet Union and 9-11, you have this sort yeah. of unique cultural period where, and I'm going to sort of paraphrase a YouTuber uh, who I really like named Lindsay Ellis, who -hmm. talked about this um, on a couple of podcast guest appearances, but also on a video about the movie Independence Day, Mm -hmm. about how government conspiracies in the 90s, it was more fun Mm -hmm. because we were in a time of relative peace and stability. And so you could have the government and big secrets be a bad guy, an antagonist. And it wasn't something that was so life and death serious because they're was as of yet footage of people crashing airplanes into, you know, high rises. And so that really changed the marketplace for government conspiracies. And, you know, we had seen, we'd gone through this big national trauma and I know Canada obviously was not immune to that time in history. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's Lindsay talked about it in a couple of places really specifically of like how you see the market for those kinds of movies like uh, Armageddon or was from 98, like all of these big disaster movies, they really Mm -hmm. drop off precipitously after 2001. Because I, I think, and I haven't seen Lindsay's videos, Mm -hmm. but I, um, I think part of it was, yeah, that could be fun and be fantasy in a time when we were pretty sure it wasn't happening. Exactly. Um, Also, if you look at what the big conspiracy is on the X-Files. It's really, it's pretty much just aliens. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, even if it were happening, as as seriously as they sort of take it on the show and what this would mean for humanity and, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not actually, it's not Russia hacking an election, you know? It's, are there little gray men and are they visiting us? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so definitely, definitely the nineties were a very specific time. It was also a very, um, specific time for women. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a period of, you know, it was after women's lib, our moms had kind of done that for us, <laughs> that generation. And it was the time when we were told that we could be anything. And there wasn't a lot contradicting that in the way yeah. that there is now. Yeah. Um, we still thought we could shatter the glass ceiling within our lifetimes. <laughs> uh, there were a lot of shows with women running around in power suits, mm-hmm. solving crime and, <laughs> you know, taking names. Um, and Dana Scully actually was, uh, Jillian Anderson's character on the X-Files was one of the archetypes of that. Um, she, there is a documented phenomenon called the Scully effect, okay. which uh, if you, I forget 
who did it. I know I've seen articles put out about it by the Gina Davis Center on mm-hmm. Gender and Media, but I, I don't think it's their study, but it could be. Uh, a few studies have been done on young women who grew up with that show. Um, they talk to women who've gone into STEM, essentially, okay. and find out what made them go into STEM fields. And it turns out that that show and that character had an enormous effect because Scully isn't just Mulder's sidekick. In fact, by season three, yeah. she's kind of overtaken him. Yeah. Um, but she's a medical doctor, which uh, is, you know, one of the jokes of those of us who grew up with that show was like, she keeps <laughs> saying it. Like, she keeps reminding <laughs> us. She's a medical doctor. She's a forensic pathologist. She's a yeah. scientist. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was cool. And, <laughs> I mean, she's... That's where the, you know, hashtag yeah. smart is sexy came from. That came yeah. from her. That was that fandom. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there's a there's a real effect. And if you watch, I've, I've never, um, I haven't been to any comic cons or anything, but I have seen some footage from some panels and I've seen a few where, like, if you, if you watch the panels that Gillian Anderson is on mm-hmm. and the young women who will come up to the mic oh, wow. yeah. and talk to her about they became FBI agents, they became biologists, they became investigators, they became mm-hmm. scientists, mathematicians, doctors, pathologists. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, I'm not one of them because I'm not good at math. <laughs> um, but I'm not going to say that she didn't have some effect, not on my decision to be an actress, but on my belief that I could. Sure. Because yeah. she's small and female and uh, more powerful than you'd expect for someone her size. And yeah. there's, you know, part of me that identifies with that. Small but mighty, you might exactly. say. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and and she was very, and here I'm talking not specifically about the character necessarily, but both really. The actress and the character were atypical for mm-hmm. women on television at the time. Yeah. Yeah. So, thanks, Julian. <laughs> I think I don't. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, don't, I still don't know if this was a good life decision. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Uh, well, I was going to say this is a conversation that happens a lot in online spaces that I see in terms of just the term, or not the term, but the phrase representation matters, and the people, yes. in my opinion or in my what I have observed the people who don't Mm -hmm. believe that's true are the people who've never had the experience of seeing women or people of color or whomever talk about the influences that things have had on their lives and so if you don't seek out people talking that way of like you're saying about this character and this actress like it had an effect on you and so the idea of oh no you can't recast you know this character as this demographic group that's just wrong like okay everybody needs to be you need to connect more with people who've had different experiences to understand what things mean to other people yeah and it i mean it's it's difficult as a white lady to say that representation matters yeah (laughs) because I I think it matters a lot more for people in other demographics. I Oh yeah. I I don't think I was aware that I well, I I don't think I had the experience of just never seeing myself on screen the way that other yeah. people do. I may not have seen I mean there were definitely people I identified with more than others and and sure, Julian would sure. be one of them. Um but it's so yes, yes, it matters into varying degrees for some of us. I never yeah. had the experience that I'm sure other people have had of, you know, like being 15 before I saw someone on television who looked even a little bit like me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I can't, I can't claim that. But yeah, it does. And representation does matter on all levels. And also, I think it's worth, you know, the arts have an effect on society, it's yeah, it's not a one way street, and you mm-hmm. know the Scully effect proves that a lot a lot more women have gone into STEM fields and law enforcement than ever had before, and science weirdly sociology <laughs> anyway has confirmed that that is a big part of why it's not the only reason but it's a major reason that there was a major influence on young women when they saw that character and 
there have been so many clone is not the right word, but there there have been <laughs> so many, I guess, imitations of that character in the years yeah. since that mm-hmm. I think a lot of people have forgotten that she was the original. Yeah. Um, and that it happened at the time when the internet was exploding. Um, and so it, it was, not only was it happening, but those, those women could talk to each other. Suddenly there were websites and message boards and email yeah. lists. Cause yeah, <laughs> I'm that old. Um, where all of that was happening. And so people were able to connect around it and not just be sort of siloed in their own home watching it happen on screen for better or for worse. I mean, there was also a period when Jillian Anderson was the most downloaded image on the internet. Yeah. Not the most downloaded person, the most downloaded (laughs) image. And if you think about that for a minute, like what would it be like to know that you were that, like that must've been weird for her. (laughs) I can't imagine. Yeah. I I can't imagine that it felt good, you know? (laughs) I mean, I suppose you can sort of spin it around and like, well, maybe this will help me get more work down the line or help me keep doing what I want to do. Maybe it gives me power in negotiations for contract. Like, I mean, maybe you can sort of try to see it in a positive way, but I can only think how strange that must be. Yeah. I mean, you, I, I bet it would give you some contractual pull. Yeah. I bet you're right about that, that, that yeah. when it came time to renegotiate, maybe that would help. Although I also, I also remember very famously, uh, there was a contract renegotiation because when that show started, she made about Uh, half of what Duchovny mm -hmm. did, even though they were doing identical jobs. And when the first renegotiation came up and she wanted parody, Mm -hmm. they ended up, I think it was the first one. It blurs together. But what I remember very specifically was <laughs> they gave her a raise to match his salary. And then he came back and demanded to make more than she did. He felt that he mm-hmm. was the bigger name when they started, which had been true, and that yeah. he should make more money for some reason that I no longer held water. But uh, they, <laughs> they ended up having to give him a $10,000 per episode bump to preserve mm-hmm. some kind of... Uh, difference in their salaries, which I remember at the time thinking was really shitty of him. Yeah. Like, you should stand up for your coworker who's making half what you are for doing the same job. You should agree to parity. Maybe you both get raises, yeah, but exactly. your new salaries should be... Like, to demand that you make more than the other person, to me, just felt really small. I hope he doesn't listen to this. <laughs> I don't hate you, David Duchovny. I don't. I just think that was a shitty 90s thing to do. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, that stuff always seems so crazy, like the the way those decisions are made. Like, I think one of the higher profile ones recently was they did reshoots for that movie. I cannot remember what the movie was. Hopefully you'll be able to help me out. But it was, I think... Um, it was the movie that Kevin Spacey was in and then he was replaced by Christopher Plummer. And then for the mm. reshoots, I believe it was Mark Wahlberg and Michelle Williams. And yep. they were paid radically differently, mm-hmm. but they were represented by the same agency. And so the agency just chose to advocate for one and not for the other or something to that effect. Like she got paid several dollars an hour and he got paid several <laughs> million. Like I'm, it's a little bit of hyperbole, but the... No, you're right. Know, there I was may a have huge... to look this up. Difference. I also cannot remember the name of the movie, but I remember this happening. Um, Yes. And I think I could be wrong about this. So we should look it up and just listeners. I, if I'm wrong about this, I I apologize because I don't know. But Mm -hmm. what I remember, which may or may not be accurate, is (laughs) that there may have been something in her contract that covered reshoots initially and it wasn't in his contract. So he got to renegotiate for those. I th- that sounds vaguely familiar as well. Yeah. Now, if you're represented by the same agent and your agent yeah. knows that, and I also don't know, was it the same agent or the same agency? Because those agencies... It was the same organization, not the same person is my recollection. But okay. again, this is a very flawed storytelling Cause, of us. <laughs> yeah. Because those agencies can be, I mean, I don't know 
I don't know who they're with, but I would imagine yeah. it's like WME or CAA or UTA, like one of the big. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Maybe Gersh. Um, but those agencies can be huge. And so yeah. maybe agents don't talk to each other necessarily. But yeah, if you know that, and especially mm-hmm. if you, I can't imagine that whatever agency that was, that Mark Wahlberg's agent would not have known that, that Michelle was also a client. Yeah. So the decent thing to do, of course, mm-hmm. would be to say, hey, they're doing these reshoots. It's going to take a lot of time. We're renegotiating for Mark. You might want to renegotiate for Michelle. Yeah. Because this is going to be more work than initially they thought would be required. And, you know, he's going to make a, like millions and she's going to make scale. So maybe yeah. do something about that. Because I think she's an Oscar winner. She's certainly at least a nominee, multiple One. nominee. All the points that you're making, I think, are the better, more virtuous points to make. But the other Mm -hmm. thing that I will say is just from a completely craven, money-grabbing perspective, you're not negotiating on behalf of a client who can net you a large commission. You're choosing not Mm -hmm. to pick up money over there on the ground. Yeah, that's the thing that gets me as well. (laughs) It's like, what are you even doing? Yeah, because there's no, like, if you're getting a huge commission for this guy, I don't see how it's any skin off your nose. To let your colleague also get a commission for their actor. It shouldn't yeah. take away from your, unless maybe the fear is, well, if we ask for this much and then they ask mm-hmm. for this much, then the producers are going to come back and say, look, we don't have the budget to pay them both that much. So sure, sure. we're going to, so that's going to lessen. If we're going to pay her equally, then we have to pay him less. Yeah. Like we'll, we'll pay them the same amount, but we can't give him, and I am, truly pulling numbers out of the air here we yeah. can't give him seven million and her seven million we only have 10 million so we can yeah, give them exactly. each five mm-hmm. and then that lessens the commission for agent number one if agent <laughs> exactly. number two gets wind of that so that's the sure. only reason i can see why you would actively discourage that negotiation from taking place because money coming yeah. into the agency is money coming into the agency like that's exactly. good for everyone but um, i think your point is why they generally wouldn't work collaboratively although we are like way in the weeds of hypothetical yeah, logistics we here. really are like we don't know that any of this is true we are a hundred percent spitballing listen if you're out there and you're listening to this and you are michelle williams agent and you would like to correct us please do we would love also, to hear from you about what really happened. Please happens. let us talk to Michelle Williams. <laughs> that too, sure. Although I don't know that she did her own negotiations, so. No, not about this. I just mean as a podcast. Oh, just in general. Sure. She's yeah, lovely. she's welcome anytime. We we have a six degrees of separation line to her somehow. Uh, we have three degrees, two degrees. I don't know how we're counting degrees, but yeah. I, I wasn't, I hadn't actually worked it out. I just meant like, <laughs> we know that she's busy Philip's best friend and we know people who know busy. So, you know, it's, we're never going to get her. It's fine. <laughs> okay. Well, let's, let's shake the extra sketch here if you don't mind. Cause I had yes, a, a question I wanted to ask you. Speaking yeah, yeah. of the X-Files and old favorites. Oh Lord. Um, <laughs> Yes. I've been rewatching a lot of stuff during pandemic times. Uh-huh. And uh, as I've stated on the podcast previously, although it's probably been a while, um, I have this habit of writing down every movie that I watch. Mm-hmm. So for the past six or seven years, I have a record of everything, which is wow. sort of a fun, interesting one person social experiment. Because what you it's really revealed... should get together with Craig Kikowski and be friends. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would agree with that. He, he can um, help you organize your list. <laughs> oh, it doesn't need organization. It's just chronological. Um, but what it has revealed to myself is that I tend to rewatch the same group of, I mean, a couple hundred movies over and over and over again, and kind of the same with TV. And so what I've been trying to do during pandemic times is if I want to, say, rewatch all of the Mission Impossible series, I should try to intersperse new movies that I haven't seen yet that are like you know, socially relevant or important kind of movies and therefore like are thereby broaden my palette a little bit rather okay. than just watching the same things over and over again because that doesn't necessarily like make you a better gross consumer of media. <laughs> Do you feel that same sort of pressure in the stuff that you watch of like, oh, I should watch this thing that everybody's talking about is great and is maybe a little bit outside of what I would normally go for? Or do you just sort of like beep boop what what's what am i doing let's watch the same Um, thing again no 
and no. <laughs> um, let's see. How do I? Um, <laughs> I do not keep track of the movies I watch. I mean, I'll know oh, whether I've not. seen something or not, but I don't. I don't have a list. Um, I've always been a rewatcher on some level of mm-hmm. favorites. So I have. I have a few favorite movies that I have seen many, 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 many times. Um, <laughs> Clue is on that list. Of course. Um, the winner by far of that list is uh, the 1988 classic of female friendship, Beaches, mm-hmm. um, which I have seen, I do not know how many times, but I would <laughs> be quite comfortable saying probably more than 40 that's quite a lot. Like four zero. Well, it came mm-hmm. out when I was 10. And at least once in my life, I believe I watched it three or four times in one day. So solid. I was a kid. Solid work. Kids are weird. Um, <laughs> I now see it probably less than once a year. But I, I will still watch it, despite having it basically memorized. Um, and then there, there are a few others that I've seen multiple times that are favorites. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, I, I will often watch things twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason for that being that I cannot watch anything normally anymore. Okay. And what that Describe means is... Describe to me what you mean by that. <laughs> <laughs> well, being an actor... Has oh, a little bit ruined things for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, taking acting classes, taking acting for film classes, having made and, and produced some small projects. Mm-hmm. Um, when I find when you're a professional at something, you cannot watch it like a lay person anymore. Yeah. Um, that makes so sense sometimes. Sometimes I miss things because I was paying attention to something that doesn't matter, but that caught my eye. <laughs> or I was wondering how they trying to work out oh, how did they do that? Like how did they? Like I yeah. I know how they I know how they can't have done it, but could they have done? <laughs> I wonder if they shot it like and now it's five minutes later and I've lost the thread of the plot. Um, conversely, sometimes I'll get very wrapped up in something um, because some movies are just so good that I can't not watch them normally. That will sometimes happen. But then I have to go back and look at it more technically just for my own interest. Um, But I I do tend to watch things like when we all watched Clue together as we're watching Mm -hmm. like the zany finale. I'm thinking about how many different angles were there and how like the genius of Tim Curry just, you know, keeping straight in his head. And of course, he had sides in his pocket or whatever that we never see. But but, you know, keeping straight, where did he come from? And that the exact level of you know, excitement that he was at. And, and so I'm thinking about it technically about what would it be like to be him trying to shoot that. Um, you were definitely trying to solve that third act like a Rubik's cube. It was kind of funny to watch that and the movie. Well, yes and no, because I, I mean, I, I knew all three endings. Yes. Yes. And I knew like, I've been watching that movie again since the eighties. So mm-hmm. I know that you cannot tell by watching exactly who done it yeah, and that it is exactly. in fact set up that way. I think Amanda was trying to solve it. And mm-hmm. I, I was like, you, I know that you can't. I know that you can see, you can go back after those endings and see, yes, that one works. Yes, that one works. Yes, that one works. But in watching the movie forward, you cannot tell. Because it has to work all three ways, you cannot tell. Mm -hmm. Um, Believe me, I have tried (laughs) for 30 years. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, but no, I don't. So I will watch, I will rewatch some things, not everything. I will watch a lot of things twice for the reasons I just outlined. As far as feeling like I should watch something, not usually. Sometimes if something has a really big cultural hit, I'll give it a try. Like I attempted to watch Tiger King and I made it about halfway through the first episode, I think, Mm -hmm. maybe. Like when that person got their arm ripped off and was like fine with it, I was just like... (laughs) I'm out. I can't. These people are crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like, I can't. First of all, I have a big problem with the thing that bothered me most, other than I don't want to watch anyone get a limb ripped off and they yeah, sort of fuzz it either. out. But, like, I just, I wish I'd. Because, you know, just seeing a person who's missing part of their arm does not mean you're going to have to watch it happen. I didn't know that that happened at 
the place with all the tigers that could have happened whenever. Sure. Um, so I didn't expect to have to then watch it happen. Also, yeah. why do they have it on tape? That was not a reenactment. So many questions. Um, on top of all of that, the, the thing that bothered me most was those animals do not belong there. Oh, yeah. Big they, time. Yeah. Like, I have a real problem with people keeping wild animals as pets yeah, um, as in general. But yeah, mm-hmm. and, and for a number of reasons, the biggest one being, you know, those are tigers. They belong in Africa, in the wilds, mm-hmm. not in Florida. They're in Florida, aren't they? Of course, they're in Florida. I, I assume. I mean, yeah, Florida. <laughs> <laughs> so do I. I just in my head, maybe they're if they're not in Florida, Florida, I apologize, but I'm pretty sure they are. Um, they don't belong <laughs> don't. in Florida. They're not indigenous <laughs> to the United States at all. They do not belong on this continent. They should never have been taken from where they belong. They should have been yeah. left alone to roam in the parts of Africa that don't have people in them. You know, there's like <laughs> miles and miles and miles of jungle where those cats can live. Um, and they should just be allowed to do that because it is so wrong to cage them. These are not house cats. Um, yeah. And then also just these people seem crazy. But but like between that, between the craziness of the people and the just baseline inhumane treatment of those animals because i believe mm-hmm. that keeping them at all is inhumane there's an argument to be made for animal sanctuaries where animals have been taken out of the wild yeah. and you cannot put them back like there's a wonderful elephant sanctuary in tennessee um mm-hmm. where old circus elephants and and things go to retire because you can't return them to the wild at that point no um but it's a true sanctuary like it's a lot of land and it's a, a warm enough climate for them and they can just live there. So there's an yeah. argument to be made for stuff like that. And for stuff like uh, the Sheldrick Wildlife Trust that we talked about mm-hmm. on our previous incarnation where, you know, they find injured animals in the wild. They take them back to their center. They rehab them and then they release them. Yeah. Um, so that's all fine. But But having a zoo and especially a sort of a petting zoo with tigers and allowing people to handle them and then like being surprised when these big cats attack you because of course they, yeah. they're not like what are you doing and that's just a tiger being a tiger <laughs> you can't be mad at it for doing what its instinct tells it to do and you're mistreating it by having it there in the first place so like i tried to watch tiger king and i couldn't do it yeah. so i all of which was a very long way sorry of saying <laughs> like yes when there's something huge that it seems like everyone is watching then, yeah, I do feel like I should check it out. Um, mm-hmm. And then also, I do, I like to try to watch a little bit of anything that films in Vancouver. Oh, okay. Because I might find myself auditioning for it, hopefully. Sure, sure. And I should know what it is. Um, that gets harder as more and more shows are from um, things like Amazon Prime and Netflix and streaming services because they do tend yeah. to film the whole thing and then drop it on the service yeah. so you can't watch it while it's still filming the best you can do is watch season one in preparation for season two yeah. um but i do so those those are my shoulds like does it film here or is it a big uh a big big thing that's really in the ether that everyone's talking about but even those i've learned like i don't have to watch tiger king no one can make <laughs> me i tried it it was not for me and i have no desire to try it again um as far and as yeah. like yeah Oh, I was just going to say about the Tiger King thing specifically. I immediately knew I did not want to watch that and had no interest in it. And so, I, Yeah, like, I didn't think I would. And yeah. I was right. <laughs> like, I was right that I didn't need to watch it. But I, I felt I should give it a try because it was the big pop culture thing of the moment. But in terms yeah. of like, do I feel like in pandemic times I should be making an effort? No. I think watch, watch whatever uh, you enjoy because... These are very weird times we're living in. So like off mic, you and I were talking about, I just watched um, the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt special that dropped Mm -hmm. on Netflix, the interactive special, which is great fun. It's really fun to play with. Um, (laughs) It has a lot of sort of, it's basically, um, although I I don't think they're allowed to use this term based on an interview I saw with Tina Fey, but I think I can use it, uh, which is choose your own adventure. Yeah. So yeah. because it's interactive, you get to choose what the characters do. It's like a video version of a choose your own adventure book. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And there are lots of sort of dead ends, but they're all funny. And certain choices lead you to certain endings or not. The first time I played it through, I tried choosing what I actually thought the characters would do. Oh, and I And I made it through. I did it because there is a, a quote unquote right way. Like oh, there, okay. there is a way to do it that gets you to like the right ending. And mm-hmm. then there are other versions of the ending, some of which are almost the same, but not quite some of which, but there's sort of, there's one that ends with the graphic you win going across it and everyone <laughs> doing that like fist in the air breakfast club thing. That's fun. And I got there the first time by choosing there what I go. actually thought the characters would do, but nice I knew work. I hadn't seen everything. Thanks. I didn't, I didn't know. <laughs> I just thought maybe there were multiple endings or whatever, but I found that mm-hmm. one first. And since then, and I'm not done with it yet. There are definitely choices I haven't tried yet, but I've gone back and tried picking different options to see what happens. And some of them stop you right away and they're like, nope, that's a bad choice. You're not making good life choices for Kimmy. You go back and do it again. And some of them, yeah, it's pretty good. Some of them let you go down a few, like they'll let you go down the road for a while before something happens where you have to go back. And it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Um, And there's not a single dead end that isn't funny without spoiling (laughs) it. I will say if anyone's playing with it, um, I, I love the Kimmy Schmidt theme song. Okay. I've always, I think it's great. I just, I really like it. I never skip it. It's so much fun. Um, skip it, hit the skip intro button because something really fun (laughs) happens if you try to skip it. And I didn't know, I found out, I watched this, the same interview. Tina Fey was on, um, Oh, Seth Meyers, I think. One of the late night shows that are happening from home. (laughs) They're all the same. Um, Tina was on one of those, and she mentioned that, that that was something they had done. She said something a little bit like punitive happens if you try to skip the (laughs) intro. Punitive. And I, yeah, and I hadn't. I had just let it play because also I hadn't seen the show in a long time, so it was nice to hear the theme song again, and I just let it play through, so I didn't know. So I uh, immediately went back and to see what would happen, and it's, it's fun. So it's it's a lot of fun. And then that made me um, want to go back and, and watch Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt again because I haven't seen it in a while. So I've restarted yeah. with season one. And I'm still in season one because there's no rush. Um, <laughs> but that's that's a show that I enjoy and I felt like watching it. So I started watching it. I don't, I don't feel like there's anything that I should or should not be watching. Like no one's in charge of me. Um, I'm not being you're not the boss of me well I'm not being tested or evaluated on this at all like it's nothing is like who cares we're in the middle of a pandemic such that I am going to sit down and watch television I'm going to enjoy what I'm watching Um, I am extremely lucky to be among those who are, are still employed and yet not designated essential workers so I'm not required to go in to work i'm i'm working remotely but i am still working full-time so i'm Mm -hmm. already like minus the commute my schedule has not changed like it's been a long time since i have gone into work and that's maybe the weirdest thing is that i don't it's been a very long time since i've gone into work whether that be the office or an audition room or whatever that's all shut down so i am home but i am sitting at my computer you know for those eight hours a day minus lunch break and I am still working and, and doing my job. So I, I do still have structure and I do still have hours. Like I log in to work at 8.30 in the morning and I finish at 4.30. So I don't have these endless stretches of time with nothing to do that so many people have. Like I still want to go to yeah. bed at a reasonable hour. Um, yeah. I still, you know, have my work day. So I, I feel like I'm not... I know some people are really floundering and I, I understand how mm-hmm. in the absence of employment and also in the absence of being able to go out and do the sort of fun things that you would do if you found yourself without your job yeah. and you could like, yeah. you'd go to the movies maybe, or you'd go hang with friends or you, and you can't do any of that. So I know people are floundering and, and television is filling a giant void for a lot of people. <laughs> um, but for me, I don't, I don't know that I'm really watching more than I was before. Like, I think it's still, 
Yeah, it's not. I don't have these huge, huge stretches of time to like go into the depths of Netflix and find the the <laughs> dark Korean drama that I haven't seen yet. Although, you know, depending on how long this goes on, I might eventually get there. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I think for me, the pressure to feel like I'm being culturally literate, if that's a thing, mm-hmm. has definitely predated the pandemic times Mm -hmm. like there's always a little you know queue of movies either on my list or in my head of like oh people are talking about this all the time like Mm -hmm. you know the ones from this past award season like parasite or jojo rabbit or Mm -hmm. you know things of that nature that just everybody we know who you know we might (laughs) appreciate their opinion Mm -hmm. is saying like oh you should all watch this movie Mm -hmm. um and we're a out of time for today but I just wanted to shout out a couple that I did get off my ass to watch or get on my ass mm-hmm. to watch I guess more accurately sure. um, I finally watched <laughs> Book Smart which oh, was really great I haven't seen that yet but I, it is it's one I want to uh, and then a couple more uh, I watched Sorry to Bother You which was insane and I thought it was a really great movie mm-hmm. uh, it's really hard to describe but Sorry to Bother You check it out for sure um, and mm-hmm. then where is the third one? It was on the list. Where did it go? Oh, um, Bad Education is this uh, new movie that was on HBO. It's Hugh Jackman and Allison Janney. It's a real scandal that happens on Long Island in a school district. And it's about misappropriation of public funds. Um, and I didn't think it was as good as other people did, but I thought it was uh, definitely worth watching. But those are movies that I wouldn't have necessarily bothered with because my instinct is really just like, how can we watch the same sci-fi and action movies over and over and over again? Mm. Uh, So, I mean, I think that obviously your approach to entertainment is probably healthier. (laughs) And (laughs) you have just put a lot less thought into this than I normally do. So I'm not advocating necessarily my particular habits. (laughs) I mean, I, I have kind of a mental list of stuff I would like to see. Um, And that I just kind of haven't gotten around to. But I guess, Mm -hmm. yeah, I guess I don't feel a responsibility to watch it necessarily. One year I did, I don't know what year it was anymore, but there was one year where I watched all of the Oscar nominated best pictures. Yeah. Um, Whatever year Black Swan was, it was that year. Oh, that's a while ago. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I remember specifically because I think it was the first time that there were 10. I think you might be right about that, yeah. And I watched nine out of the ten. And I remember seeing Black Swan in the theater because right across the aisle from me were these two ladies who never stopped talking through the entire movie. Ugh. So Ugh. my experience of watching Black Swan was not as good as it could have been if they had shut up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that time, and I, I, I enjoyed doing it. I've never been able to get it together to do it since. Um, <laughs> but that year I, I did see nine out of the 10. And the the one that I missed, I admit, I missed purposely. Uh, I missed 127 hours because I'm oh, a huge yeah. Franco fan. And it's like, that's a true story. And I know how it ends. And I don't need to watch this guy hack his own arm off with a pen knife or whatever for two hours. Like, that's no yeah, thank that you. didn't appeal to me either. No. I read about it on the news. No, thank you. I don't need to watch a movie about it. But I did see all the others. And it, it did make watching the Oscars more fun. Because most of the best picture movies, of course, are also nominated in other categories. So it really, you really know who you do and don't want to root for. (laughs) (laughs) Who or what, I I should say. (laughs) It's, it's, I'm definitely one of those people who doesn't care that much about award shows in general. But if I have seen none of the movies that they're talking about, I definitely feel even more like, what is even the point? I have nothing invested Mm. in this. Uh, aside from like, oh, I've seen that person in other things. I hope they do good, I guess, in an abstract yeah. way. Yeah, I mean, I've usually seen at least some of them. But there, I think there's also a difference in, like, the Oscars are something that I, I guess I grew up watching them. I guess we always watch them. But it also, yeah. it feels like, like, professionally, that is something that I should keep up with. So mm-hmm. I also watch the award shows Partly because, you know, I do like to see what people are wearing. Um, Yeah, that's fun. You know, and it's fun to watch people win awards for doing a nice job of something. Like, that's fun. (laughs) But on a professional level, it also tells you, like, who's who's hot right now, who's um, what kind of work is is being done. If it's something Mm -hmm. I haven't seen, 
Um, yeah. What is winning awards? What, so it, it is useful. And some of them are just fun. Like the Tonys are the most fun award show. I'm sad they won't really happen this year in the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, let's end on a big sigh. Everybody <laughs> Surely not. Surely there's something positive to end on. We are okay. near the end of our time, but well, surely have, there's something happy to say. I have an actual show button, uh, okay. which is about a year and a half ago, I think, although now that I'm saying that it might have been two and a half years ago, at a SF Sketchfest showing uh, the We Got This podcast talked about what is the best M&M you remember yes. this episode? Yes, uh, they had all the work juice players, I think. And, yes, amongst... and I, I think uh, MEJ argued that it was Smarties. <laughs> well, you, you jumped ahead of me. Oh, I'm sorry. Because <laughs> the, the low stake <gasps> secret I had for you is that I'm going to have this next to the mic. I ordered myself some Smarties and I can't yes. confirm what uh, the illustrious Mr. Jackson has said is they are the best M&Ms. They are, right? Um, I guess for for people who don't know listening, we should clarify because what most Americans refer to Smarties, like oh, what, yeah, what you guys that. call Smarties are a candy that we in Canada usually refer to as Rockets. And they're yeah. those little rows of cellophane wrapped round tart almost chalky candy mm-hmm. that you get mm-hmm. in abundance at halloween yeah everyone will remember this from the, when they were a kid canadians can you believe that the americans call those smarties amazing <laughs> um what we call smarties in canada and what you all just heard chris shake at his mic <laughs> are uh milk chocolate covered in a candy coating very similar Mm-hmm. Um, in idea to M&M's. I think they're better. The shell's a little thinner. You can suck on them and it kind of breaks apart in mm-hmm. your mouth and that's really nice. Um, they will, I am sorry to say, they will a little bit melt in your hand. <laughs> um, and for some reason, an advertising campaign in the 80s decided that you should eat the red ones last. I don't know why. Um, but there was a whole jingle huh. about it that you can find on the internet. I'm sure. Well, I, but yeah, they're I very found, good. Yeah, the there's less ingredients, which in my mind is always a plus when you're looking at any kind of processed food. The more ingredients you have, the more likely there's going to be some sort of crazy weird chemical additive that's not great for you. So, oh, I'd never compared. Huh. Yeah, um, but also the thing that's interesting about these is the shape. Uh, this is great content for a podcast, but the <laughs> the shape of the thing, it's a little bit more Frisbee shaped, whereas your typical M&M is closer to like spherical globular. And so the amount yeah, of Yeah, Smarties candy, are a little bit flatter. The amount of candy versus chocolate filling per is higher. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing that I noticed. Um, yeah. But no, they're definitely like I've already been in a mode uh, the past year or so, especially of trying to phase candy and processed sugar out of my life. But uh-huh. I'm I'm glad to have uh, what taken a flyer. That's a phrase I don't use on uh, these these uh, confections from the Great White North. Where did you get them? Uh, Amazon. Oh, OK. You can order those on Amazon.com. Mm, apparently huh. so. I mean, they're a Nestle product, so they're yes, you know, just yeah. everywhere. And uh, and they're you did they're from Canada, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the okay. packaging is in English and in French. Oh well, then for sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. They also, I believe, these also exist in the UK. I believe. I think so. The yeah. UK has these as well, mm-hmm. um, and maybe maybe Australia. If we have any Australian listeners, please let me know. Um, I, like I think there are some other Commonwealth countries that have these. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's also, I think, and. And uh, Jackson has brought this up as well, that there's a difference in the chocolate itself. Oh, absolutely. Um, Mm -hmm. Milk in Canada, I believe, is hormone-free. So there's a difference in... As as I remember Mark putting it, and I can't remember if this was on that podcast or somewhere else, but he he has said that Canadian chocolate is gooder. (laughs) I believe I recall that as well. Yeah. And I, I would argue that he's right. There's, I mean, there's lots of American uh, confections, as you would say, <laughs> that I've enjoyed. You guys have a Zagnut bar that I cannot get here that you can get in like Michigan, Ohio, <laughs> that part of the States. Um, I also enjoy the whatchamacallit. I won't say no to a Mr. Big. 
um, mm-hmm. <laughs> or to a, a Mr. No, Mr. Goodbar. Sorry, Mr. Big, yeah. I think is, we, we have that here. I don't know if you guys do, but Mr. Goodbar is nice. Um, but I do find there's a definite difference in, in the chocolate. American chocolate is a little waxier, maybe. I don't want to insult anybody. It's well, just, I don't know it, about the that, texture is different. All processed food for American consumers has more sugar of some kind or another, whether it's mm. your high fructose corn syrup or something else. That's an absolute that's universal trademark of food processed for American markets. So Yes, there the, is sugar in everything. Yeah. Mm, even where really it really is. does not belong. There's even sugar <laughs> in my half of this podcast. I don't know how it got in there. I don't know how to get rid of it. <laughs> but my side has more sugar in it than Stevie's. <laughs> Oh, no. Is he saying I'm the sour one? <laughs> oh, I wasn't going to go that way. But if you want to, like, take responsibility for something that's a fictional problem, that's your choice. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Okay. Well, that's a better note. Why don't you uh, take responsibility for giving us your plugs and we'll get out of here. Oh, okay. I can do that. Um <laughs> plugs yes so uh you can find me on uh steviejackson.ca is my website uh i'm at stevie kj on twitter and instagram and my web series as always is at honestlycharlotte.com or if you wanted to you could just go to vimeo or youtube and search for it but it's all there for you easy to find at honestlycharlotte.com and if you love it enough to buy a t-shirt or a dog bandana that is also an option chris what would you like to plug (laughs) (laughs) You <laughs> can find all my myriad online adventures uh, together at ChristopherRice.com. Uh, follow me on Twitter. Uh, the podcast's Twitter is an abbreviation of the new show name, Buds W.O. Boards. It's the best we could do because <laughs> of character limitations. And uh, as usual, I have uh, links and notes in the show notes wait those aren't words that go together in the right order please read the show notes they will have content (laughs) (laughs) sounds good thank you for rating and reviewing and scribing and tell a friend and all the things it's word salad time so listen to the music we'll talk to you next time (laughs) 